you know it's always special to come over here and uh, and win we know it's not easy to come over here and uh, and win the game but we did it i think it was important to come with confidence and uh, keep playing as uh, we did since a few games and uh, this is what we did tonight well 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 welcome everybody to another edition of the final whistle podcast i'm marvin Argueta, joined by ben kane yet again and for this special special day a, a humongous win for Barcelona and Barcelona fans. We had to bring in a big Barcelona fan, Brian Canel, to join our conversation today. And yes, a big win for Barcelona. They get a 4 nothing win in a humongous game in a classical goal from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Fernand Torres. It was a huge win for Barcelona and a huge loss for Real Madrid. And guys, before we get anything else, let's hear from the Barcelona manager himself, Xavi Hernandez. On the win. Well, I'm very happy because we played really well. Yes, uh, it's it's remembered today uh, many games a uh, long time ago, but uh, we played amazing, amazing game. We did really well. Uh, we understood uh, really well how to attack, how to defend. Uh, we played an amazing, amazing game, performance, outstanding performance in defense, in attack, uh, with concentration, with solidarity in defense. And we could have scored much, much more goals, I think. Uh, we deserve much more goals, to be honest. So, but I'm very happy. I think it's the moment to, to enjoy all the, the supporters, all the fans. It's a very good moment for us. Of course, just three points, but this, this defeat is not a final. But maybe it means that uh, we, we came back today. Yeah, you guys heard Xavi Hernandez talking about the game itself. I mean, it was a tremendous win for Barcelona and Barcelona fans. Let's start with Brian, because Brian is obviously connected with this team for a lot of reasons. Talk about the initial, your initial reaction from Barcelona's win. So basically Barcelona, I think the side that they went with, the back line was just sublime. I think, I, um, I think Eric and Pique especially had a really, really good game, which was shocking to me. I don't think anybody really expected the result that there was or nothing to say the least and the conditions that Barca has been in in the Europa League, not being in champions and, and all the stuff that's been going on. It's just shocking to hear. And you have two goals from Aubameyang where it just come out of really nowhere. And, and he just literally signed with the club a couple of weeks back. And it's just really, really, really good stuff going on with the club. I think Xavi's really turned the, the team around. I think the game just in general to focus on the game was incredible to watch as a, as a fan and, probably even as a player, if you probably would ask Jordi Alba or Dani Alves, you, you see, saw them on Instagram celebrating in that locker room like they won uh, a cup. But I think it also show you that Barcelona is still a team to be feared. Obviously, I think this right here is the culmination of everything that Barcelona have gone through in the past year, year and a half under Koeman, they looked terrible. Like there was nothing about them that showed what kind of system they wanted to play that they had any drive to continue to where they once were. And this is just Xavi's moment in the sun at this point. He <laughs> A 4 nothing result against Real Madrid is not something I expected. Marvin, I know you didn't expect that either. I think you said a, a one-goal game, Barcelona was going to win. I said Real Madrid were going to steamroll them last week. But it just shows you, I kind of relate it back to how Arsenal did it in the summer where they've brought in all these signings that weren't going to work. They brought in a Martin Odegaard, a Tomayasu, a Ben White, all these signings. You can look at Barcelona now, Adama Traore, uh, Aubameyang, Fernand Torres, 
even some of the bringing up some of the younger players. I don't think Arroyo played too, too much in the past few seasons. Now they're giving him more game time. They're developing their youth. It's so nice to see a team that aren't spending too much money. They're not splashing enough cash. Obviously, Fernand's a big signing, but they're developing from within and it's finally starting to show. And it's showing that next season, I think they're going to be title contenders. Obviously, they didn't have the best start to this season, but this game is just showing that they will compete with the best and they're going to for the years to come. You could see the transition from Kuman to Xavi. Absolutely. How Xavi is literally establishing what La Masia is back into the first team. Kuman was doing this, like he was buying players and bringing in players that were, especially on the Holland team, you know, Luke DeJong, Memphis Depay. And it was just, a, it wasn't like the identity of what Barca is. Now you see Xavi bringing in players that are like Gabi, Ricky Puig, um, with the exception of Pedri, uh, of course, because he came from Palmas. But I know, I know that was a really good segment. Uh, um, he, and he's a phenomenal player. He doesn't lose the ball. It's ridiculous. But you're seeing players, even Adama Traore, he was in the club in La Masia. You know, he's bringing in players that know the system already. So when you have players that know the system already and they're going to collude just like Messi, Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets did back in the day. And Busquets still on the team. They're just going to understand each other more and more and more. And when you have players coming in, coming from the academy, go up to the first team, they already know how to play and understand each other. So um, it's just going to be great. Well, before we get into that, I just want to build off that point too. There's two signings that I really think of. It's De Jong and Martin Braithwaite. It's almost like Kuman's doing like an NBA tactic where he's bringing in these guys more of like a locker room presence. Some guys who are going to give you a few minutes here and there, but they're not going to be able to perform. Whereas now, like you said, Xavi's building off of what he has and developing what he has, where it might not work out in that exact moment, but in the year, like down the road, it's going to work out. Exactly. And I think it's, he's learning from what, nah, I'm not going to, he's learning from what Pep has done in Pep's development of Foden and Cole Palmer. He's in <laughs> Raheem Diaz where, He's giving the minutes here and there, and now we're seeing them take the world by storm in that midfield, especially. So I want to put some context on this win because I think it's kind of to tell people this story of where this club was about two, three years ago. Because you know, I, I think I was so I was writing the story on Pedri, and you guys obviously uh, I've been told about this. And when I was writing about it, it was quite interesting to 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 talk to uh, Sam Marzin, who I, I talked to on this on this interview of regarding Pedri. And one of the things that was quite interesting and fascinating was how Barcelona lost eight to a couple of years to go to Bayern Munich and how it kind of changed the club to sign young players, to sign Pedri eventually and get some of their, you know, under Ronald Koeman. And that's where it started. You know, they needed to transition to a team that, you know, was very old at the time. They had one of the oldest champions lead teams in Barcelona history. And, for a long time, you know, they kept losing, you know, let's remember the Liverpool loss and remember the, the loss to PSG last year. And then we go to the summer and, and then your best player of all time, Lionel Messi, leaves the club. And for Barcelona, it completely changes the makeup. You bring Joan Laporta, the new president who took over um, Jose Maria Bartomeu, who, who a lot of people have been critical of. And then you can start to see the change. But the change didn't start till Xavi came. Xavi was a player once upon a time for the Masia, as Brian talked about. Xavi was a player who was under Pep Guardiola under those good years in Barcelona when, you know, you could arguably say that was the greatest team of all time. 
and he comes back in November and we still didn't know if he would be ready to take this manager job. You know, a lot of people had questions if he had enough experience in guitar and he, is he ready? Is he going to be the next Pep Guardiola? And that today is going to be the anniversary of Xavi's first game in charge against Espanyol. And now four months later, Barcelona not only beated Real Madrid, but humiliated Real Madrid in, I think, one of the best away wins Barcelona's ever had against Real Madrid in the Bernabeu. So I would say this is context of the evolution and the change and the timeline of where Barcelona was two to three years ago, where this club would, had no identity, losing to Bayern Munich, shaking their heads, not knowing what's going to happen to the club in the future of the squad. And now we see the club that now has a future with Pedri, with De Jong, with Gabi, with Asufati when he gets healthy, you know, with Fernand Torres, with some of the signings they made. Xabi now has a young team, has now developed a team that has a mentality now better than it ever had in the last four or five years. And now we're seeing an evolution of Barcelona returning to what it once was. I, I couldn't agree more, honestly. No, no, but it's exactly what I was saying, Marvin. You're not wrong. Like, I, what made Barcelona great in the era that Pep Guardiola took over, correct? Two things. One, obviously, Pep Guardiola is legendary, okay? He was, he was not really anybody before that. Let's just, let's just take that into account. You know, nobody knew who he was, really. I mean, he was a player for Barcelona, and he won a Champions League, yes. Um, but besides the point, like as a coach, he had no real, real, like, you know, wait until he took over Barca and did what he did. Okay. That part. Second part, he had a platter of golden players. Let's not forget who the Spain national team was during that time. Literally Barcelona and Real Madrid, maybe one or two players from like Villarreal and Sociedad and Real Sociedad. That was it. That was it. You had... Every single player in Barcelona, every single player, regard, uh, Messi, Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta, Piqué, Puyol, uh, Jordi Alba, um, with the exception of Dani Alves, um, Victor Valdez. Yo, all these players were in La Masia, so they already understood how to play together. And yes, Pep Guardiola would sign players during that time, and see if they would fit. But some some players wouldn't make the cut because they just didn't understand how to play. It was a different style of play, and that's why they were so successful. Why? Because it's already ingrained in them as kids how to play the Barca way. Another thing I want to bring up in context is a couple of things. I, I, again, you know, I'm kind of more on the perspective on, on the stories and, and after this game, and, and we'll get to the Madrid part of it because I think that's also fascinating to discuss. But going into this game... You know, Real Madrid fans were, I think, mocking Barcelona for, for a while because it's it was five straight. Real Madrid were absolutely dominating Barcelona. And then after the game, which they lost in the Supercopa de España, you know, Barcelona were, you know, you were hearing reactions. Yeah, this is a mortal win. You know, we lost, but we didn't lose. You know, we're coming back. Uh, and Real Madrid fans and, and Real Madrid media were like laughing, like, yeah, you guys are way still behind us. You still haven't beaten us in five straight games and, and against each other. So, that was a lot of context there. And now we saw the change in, in the kind of the level that Mount Barcelona has caught up on in the last couple of weeks. But guys, I got to bring this up to you because it's quite fascinating for me. Anything else I want to hear your reaction, Ben and, and Brian's as well is Usman Dembele 
you know, this player for four years mm. uh, has had such a, a just up and down career from injuries yeah. from from a player that, you know, was supposedly going to be the replacement to Neymar. And for four years was a player that just never had flashes, but never could put in a full performance in a game like this. Now in his final year of his contract after, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen to his future with Barcelona after this season. He has the most assists in 2022 in the top five leagues. He has right now, I'm not saying he's the goals are there, but you saw what he did in that first goal. You saw what he did in that second goal. He was a player that completely took over Nacho in, in ways which we, we kind of asked ourselves, where was this four years ago? Where was this player that was supposed to be the replacement to Neymar? But, you know, Usman Dembele is a fascinating question as well of a player that kind of will likely be better in his next four years than he was in his previous four years, which is weird to say because he was younger. But I think that's going to happen because this is a player that looks like he's fixed his diet, his maturity issues have, have gone, and now he's really focused on football, a, a question that we couldn't ask four years ago. And I think the performance from him was, was outstanding. Well, what I, I, you brought up the, the A2 Bayern Munich thing, and I, I think it all for Usman goes back kind of to that where you're in a Barcelona team where everything is just slowly falling down and you kind of need to fix what's at the top of it right now. You kind of need to go up and say, if this isn't working, like if the points aren't there, if the results aren't there, if the squads aren't there, how do I fix that? And then you can kind of work your way down to Usman Dembele's maturity uh, issues or just in general, he's a player that needs the manager's confidence. He's not going to perform if he doesn't get that. And when the results weren't there for Barcelona, the manager isn't able to go up to a single player and try to instill that confidence in him. There's too many problems to fry. So what I think we're seeing now is where Xavi's slowly getting the results out of his squad. He's able to take a step back and say, this is working from a team standpoint. How do I fix the individuals? And I think we're slowly starting to see that now. Obviously, we don't know where Dembele is going to play next year. I honestly think he'll be back in this system. It's working out for him. And when he's getting that confidence, it's taken so long for him to be able to feel comfortable in a Barcelona shirt. And I think we're seeing that now. So he's, I, like you said, he's going to, that next four years are going to be crucial. And I think he's going to take that next jump within the next few months. Cause I think every time Barcelona get a three point result, he's going to get that step better and better. And then he's going to be world-class. One of the most talented players in the world, as Xavi has said. I think it's safe to know too, Marvin, before we move on to the next segment or move on to the next topic of, of the Clásico is, I just saw a different Dembélé. Like, he was feeding the ball more instead of holding the ball. I felt like, and maybe I was speaking to my brother about it, I feel like Adama, Traore, and Dembélé are very similar in the fact that they can hold the ball and beat a player down the line in that type of aspect, right? So yesterday, I didn't see Dembélé really taking on as much as as he does which was even better. So it goes to show you, like, he's, like, growing a little bit. I felt like I saw Dembele more off the ball, meaning he was touching the ball much quicker instead of holding it uh, for longer. He was using his famous cuts, you know, when he fakes the ball and he cuts inside to the left or he fakes the ball and cuts inside to the right. Like, when it was – when he needed to. It wasn't that much yesterday compared to other games where he was trying to do it all the time. And it just wouldn't work for him. Uh, yesterday, he was passing the ball and crossing the ball. And you saw him 
assist a goal yesterday, which made him look even better. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be a huge question for Barcelona. Is going to be what's going to happen with the future of Usman Dembele. You know, for me, I, I think it's going to be a tough question because I think, you know, for, for a player that's, you know, in his final year, you know, we've seen these in players in their final contracts sometimes, you know, perform well, you know, they sign these new contracts. And, and we saw that with Aubameyang kind of signing that new contract with Arsenal and just was never the same player uh, before the contract. You see these players change. So I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Usman Dembele, if he's going to stay or not. I mean, if I'm Barcelona, I would honestly would say, you know, you give him a, a financial offer that, that suits for the club and, and he doesn't want to accept. I think you move on. You know, you still have players like Asu Fati who can potentially come back. You can still go in the market and get a couple of decent players. I heard Rafinha has been a player uh, to also pay attention to. From Leeds United, uh, he's been kind of linked to Barcelona as a team, Ben. So I'm not I'm not sure what's gonna be what's gonna happen with Usman Dembele um, in his future. But what I will say is that you know he's a player that I would say is uh it, he, he's gonna have a tough decision. I, I think he will have a tough decision because of what's going to happen to him um, in his future. I don't know what you think is gonna happen with his future at, at Barcelona. I mean, I think. When we did our Instagram live show, I, I said there's two yeah. options. A, he stays, or B, he goes to Chelsea, and I think he gets converted into a wingback <laughs> in Tuchel. Uh, <laughs> I agree with that, Ben. I really actually yeah. do agree with that. I think he's very – I mean, he's not – obviously, Callum Hudson-Odoi is not – he's he's not as talented as Usman, but we're seeing Callum Hudson-Odoi transition mm-hmm. backwards. I think it's going to be the same thing if he were to go there, and I think that's one of the deciding factors of, look – he like I said, he needs a manager that's confidence in him. Tuchel and Xavi both have that now, and it's deciding yeah. which he'd rather be with. Because Chelsea, well, I shouldn't say they can, they would splash. They would splash the cash if they can. We obviously don't know with their situation right now, which is another right. big thing to bring up. Where it, it this is making it like he's gonna have to stay at Barcelona at least for another year or two. Um, but yeah, I I see him honestly. I see him being one of the best players in the world in the next few years, and I think. This is the step in the right direction that we've been waiting for for so long. Marvin is usually the host of the show. I'm usually the analyst that comes on, gives my points, and we go back and forth with Brian here today. But I'm going to take the hosting reins today for just a little bit. I've come up with this segment. It's called Fact or Crap. Basically, I've come up with a few hot takes that I'm going to ask Marvin and Brian, kind of get their points on it. Maybe I'll jump in if I if I hear something I don't like and I want to <laughs> absolutely push my point. Um, but it's basically on the El Clasico today. So, uh, excuse me, the other day. So a few, uh, we'll just go right into the first one. The first statement that I've come up with is over the next, I would say two years, Casemiro, Cruz, and Valverde will still be better than Barcelona's up and coming midfield. I'm going to give this one. I'll give it to Brian first. See your thoughts on this. You said Casemiro, Cruz, and and Valverde will still, will, will be better than Barcelona's midfield. Absolutely not. There's no way. There's the brother. There's come on. There's a thing called called uh, time, you know. Elaborate on that. Everybody. It takes a toll on everybody. Time takes a toll on everybody. It's not nobody. It's not their fault. It's just that maybe Casemiro, um, Valverde will be fine because he's young, you know. But in terms of Casemiro and Cruz, bye bye. They're they're gone, Donzo. Especially Modric. And I know you didn't mention Modric, but he's in the midfield too, and they're gonna be done in like. Three, maybe two years or so. I don't so see the them next, playing. Over the next two years, do you still think 
they'll be better though. That's that, that's the question. So. Yeah, it's over the night. Nah, that's the question. It's over really, the night too. I don't really think so because God, the way Gabby is playing, um, the way Pedri is playing. Oh my God! And the John, I think they just, I think they'll dominate. And as as soon as they start getting more and more and more chemistry, especially Ricky Puig too, he's coming off the bench. He doesn't even play, which is my guy. I, I love him. Um, you know, that, you'll see, you'll see they get more burned. I, mean, I I think it's fascinating you bring up Ricky Puig. We had a whole <laughs> like ten minute talk on him the other day about how much so I love good. him. He's so good. <laughs> I like love him so much. He's so good. And people like, it's so sad that he doesn't get that much like playing time. But every time I see him go in and play, he's so just great. He's a good, good player. And I, and honestly, I've been hearing mixed reviews of him wanting to go or, or go somewhere else just to get playing time. And if they're going to do that, I just send him out alone, you know, but I really don't want to see that because Ricky Puig is unique, man. He's a very, very good player. It's just unfortunate. Uh, I think I'd keep him because Busquets is getting older, you know, it's, and time is going to take a toll on him, just like Casemiro, Cruz, <laughs> and, and Valverde is okay. But and Casemiro and Cruz, is, uh, and, and Cruz time will, will get them out of the picture. All right, to the, to the person in this call who doesn't like Ricky Puig, you have the floor. I, I have I have a smile. I have a smile. I can't get a smile on my face right now. I can't. I can't get a smile on my face. I can't get a smile on my face. When you oh mentioned Ricky Puig, I just started smiling. I mean, no, no, no. But this is an example of what I was talking about. The Barcelona fans yeah. love him. They absolutely adore Ricky. Ricky, and, and I'm like, well, I, 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 I kind of get it, but I still don't. But in a way, it, it, I mean, listen, he. He is a very good player, and I think he have, will have an opportunity in another club. But, I mean, <laughs> the love he has, man, I'm telling you, it is unconditional love right now from, from Ricky Pooch and Barcelona fans. But going back to your, your point of the midfield trios you said you said before, what was it, fact or crap you said? Fact or crap, yeah. All right, yeah. so that is crap. Ravager <laughs> midfield will not be better than Barcelona's midfield, and I'll tell you why. Very simple, one word. Pedri, he is the best right currently in my opinion i think he is the best midfielder in the world i think when he got injured in those couple months where barcelona were struggling as well and this is context as well and i will bring it up again they, his presence was missed and i know he was injured because of what he played over the summer and all those games he played over 50 matches and all competitions it was insane what he was playing not including spain uh and then what he did in the olympics but pedri is absolutely a game changer for any midfielder. And I kind of look like he he's has the similar traits of Luka Modric in, in similar ways. Um, I see Modric uh, as a player that can really dominate with the touches and, and the way he kind of can control the tempo. And that's the way I look at Pedri. And Pedri is different. And if you guys look at Instagram and look at some of the comments that Usman Dembele has made and, and on social, like Pedri for Ballon d'Oro, because you can see what he did against these, some of these performances, especially I would say more Thursday than even the classical, but he's a, he's completely game changer for Barcelona. But the fact, the fact, but he's so incredible, but he, the fact that the thing that makes him different is he's 19 years old. He's playing like he's 30. I mean, the the way he sees the game kind of reminds you of, I, I think this comparison was made before the game. Like he's messy. And then he comes out and saying, no, I'm not messy, but we look at Messi as a player that just knows everything 
10 seconds before it's actually going to happen. And that's the way we look at Pedri. And so for me, yes, Frankie de Jong, I think he's going to be great. He's fantastic. You know, he'll make in runs and score goals. Busquets, you know, I think two years we'll, we'll still have something left in the tank. I think he's very important to Barcelona's success. And I think he's still kind of underrated in the way he, he gets credit in those other teams that he was a part of. But Pedri and, and Gabi, I think, of Gabi can, can also improve. But I think Pedri is, is the, the guy I think will, will kind of up Barcelona's midfield to another level. Ben, right, I so think we, before we start, hold on. Yeah. We were talking, I was smack crazy on Busquets like two years ago or a year and a half ago. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. Love was, it was a time that he wasn't playing good. Like, yeah. People were saying, like, hey, it's time for him to go. Like, thank you. Like, he played phenomenal. You know, he gave us years. He won the World Cup. He did so many good things, but it's time for him to go. Because he was playing bad, bad, bad. And then out of nowhere, he just, I guess, came back and started picking his his football skills up again. He's a little, eh, you know, he's not the same Busquets as years ago, but he's okay right now. He, he teeter-totters. But as you, yesterday, yesterday was, he was vital to the team. Yeah, I mean, the I'm one of the I have I have a lot of questions prepared, but one of the next ones I was going to ask was would have been about Busquets and if he was going to continue to play at Barcelona. But I'm going to skip that one because you guys pretty much answered it. He's personally... When I watch Rodri play, I see so much of Busquets in him, the way he just pivots and he's just not afraid to just drop it back and make those simple passes. So he's a fantastic player to watch. He's one of the most, he's like a metronome for this team where if he's on the ball, he can control the tempo. He can make that decisive pass through, but he can also just drop it back and kind of slow the play down. But I'm going to switch from the midfield kind of Barcelona to the forwards now where Pierre Aubameyang, six goals in six games for Barcelona. Will he turn out to be or the, the, the fact of the crap is Aubameyang will be the best January signing that Barcelona had this year. Marvin, I'll let you go first with that one. No, I'm going to go with Fernand Torres. Uh, so I would say crap on that one. I think Fernand Torres is a different player when uh, he's on the field. I think, you know, Aubameyang is, is good, and I think he can be limited when uh, some of his wing players are not performing well. I think he's been scoring a lot of goals. I think Barcelona um, have been playing well. He's, I think, was already seven goals in eight appearances or, or something like that, some stat like that. He's been playing terrific, but, you know, I think Fernand Torres will, will be the player that Barcelona this season will look back and say, and I think that's a good signing. You know, he's a player for me that has different uh, of, he can change games in different ways. He can play the forward position. He can play wide left. He's also can play wide, right. Um, he's, he has good chemistry with some of the midfielders. Pedri. Um, and then he's a player that I think, links up well with some of the, the forwards he plays with. I think he has good chemistry. He knows how to make good runs. He could switch sometimes with Aubameyang. And, and I think Aubameyang, again, we see we saw this with Arsenal, and I think this also has to be mentioned that, you know, he could be limited with the way some of the players are playing around him. So, you know, we see Barcelona playing well. But I think, you know, Aubameyang is his goals because they're setting up opportunities. They're setting up opportunities because the wing players, midfielder players, you know, fullbacks, I think they, you know, giving him opportunities in the box, you're going to score goals. So I think I will go with crap on this. I'm going to go with Fernand Torres being the signing of the winter window. I'm going to go with crap as well. I'm going to go with crap, and I'm going to say not Fernand Torres, uh, I, Alama, Alama Traore. I think he was the most surprising one uh, that nobody expected. Even when I saw them sign them, I was like, what is Barca doing? And then when I saw him doing, doing stuff on the pitch, 
beating defenders like it was nothing, crossing the ball, assisting right away, scoring, uh, even scoring. I was like, wow, wow. I was really shocked because I didn't expect that from him, especially. Um, I think it was he was a very good signing. I, I thought very underrated uh, and good signing from Xavi. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to call this one crap too. Uh, I I do think Fernandez gonna be there. I personally, when I when they signed Adama, I did not think he was gonna do this well. And I a lot of people are saying, oh, yo, right, like I, it was just yeah. shocking. I had no idea that Adama was gonna come in and be like, yo, taking people down the line just like Dembele, but actually beating them and crossing the ball and assisting. It's crazy to me. Well, I think a lot of people compare it. They're most what I've read is that he's going from Premier League to the Spanish League, and there's a big difference. I don't see that. I think it's the system he's playing in. He, he, Nuno's system at Wolves was weird because they were playing him in the same position as Matt Doherty for a while, and the two of them are not similar at all, where you can just swap them in and out. And then after Doherty left, they kind of move Adama to right back, but then they throw him up, up top sometimes. So he seemed like a player that just didn't know where he was going to be on the field, and he was just kind of that utility player. Whereas now at Barcelona – you know Adama's going to come in on the wing. He's going to go down the line, and he's going to cut the ball back and cross it in. So he's finding more fluidity within this team because there's a solidified position for him. Um, I'll give I'll give one more factor crap. So we're talking about uh, solidity within the team. Fernand Torres has solidified himself as a winger during this game. Obviously, we know that Xavi has tried him down in the middle as well as on the left and the right. But in this game, he solidified his position as a winger. Uh, Brian, we'll go first. Honestly, that, that one's tough for me. Um, if I could go neither, I would go neither. I'd be in between, but I'm leaning more to, towards crap, honestly, because Ferran Torres, for me, has been shaky. I think the worst players on the field for Barca, even though they've been playing okay or well, honestly have been – you guys are going to be shocked by this from Abomayang and – and Ferran Torres. I think they've been the worst players on the field for Barca. Um, every time I see um, Bumayang, even though he scores and stuff like that, it's just his passing and stuff off the ball, just not good. Maybe his movement, but his passing off the ball and just receiving the ball, is we're, we just haven't been good. Um, in terms of Ferran Torres, I feel like he's been shaky. He scored goals here and there. He scored pens. Um but I don't think he's been – I think it's his style of play for me. Uh, it's just an opinion, you know. Obviously, he's been doing well. He scored yesterday and stuff. But I don't think uh, I don't think that um, he's solidified it yet. I think um, Dembele could go that way as well um, because, as many of you know, he's, he's lefty, but sometimes he likes shooting with his right foot. <laughs> and sometimes he's a righty, actually, but then he likes shooting with his left foot. <laughs> So I don't know if you guys ever seen that 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 clip on Instagram and stuff. He's like, oh, uh, I'm a lefty. But um, sometimes I like shooting with my right foot because it feels better. <laughs> so you're a righty. No. Uh, yeah, I'm a righty. So that was so funny. Oh, man. But yeah, okay. man, I think... Uh, oh, go ahead. I think Ferran... Crap. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Go ahead, Marvin. Well, 
Uh, I'm going to go with Fag. I think he solidifies a, as a winger at a Shabby system. Uh, I disagree with you completely with both the performance, I mean, from Aubameyang and Fernand Torres. I think when they brought Aubameyang, there was there was only one reason why, and I think to score goals. Um, I don't think he's a player that plays back to the back well. You see some of the passes he made against um, Galatasaray. He wasn't really well. I think he had a bad really first half. I thought he was going to come off at halftime. But then you keep him. Guess why? Because eventually he'll score goals, and that's what he did in that second half. He scored the goal, and, and Barcelona would win the game. And I think, you know, when they – I think Barcelona knew when he, when he came in, I think, wasn't that he was going to – play good on the ball or even come off and playing kind of the false nine. I don't think we, that's the the profile of Aubameyang. He's a guy that's in the box, has the goal scoring instincts. He scored everywhere he's been uh, in his career. And that's all he, Chabi wants from him. You know, yes, he doesn't make the pass as well, but you know, that's not his profile. So his profile for me is to score goals. And he's been doing that at a very high level for this club. Now for Fernand Torres, um, the fact that I think he solidified himself is because he's under Shabby. He's has a, a manager that has confidence in him. And yes, he hasn't done a good job in finishing goals, but you know, the fact that he has opportunities and he has presence as a winger, um, you know, he his you know, I don't think he's scored. He could have had more goal scores, more goals if he uh, had these opportunities and, and been more clinical. But for me, uh, he's not that type of player. If you think of Fernando Torres as a goal scorer, that's not what he is. From my opinion, he's a, a winger that can play different in d- different dimensions. He's a player that ab- absolutely can can score goals and assists. He had that assist yesterday as well. And so he's a player that understands and can read the game very well. And for me, he's a solidified winger. He also played the, the, the right wing, the forward position. He just understands good chemistry. He can make good runs and he has a presence as a winger, as you know, we saw for a long time, Barcelona didn't have that presence as a winger like Neymar that can really change games. And I think that's what Fernando Torres is. And I think he, he solidified in Xavi's team. I think he's an automatic starter on this team. The one thing I will say, I think before I wrap this segment up, what I think why he faltered so much at Man City was when Aguero left, he was seen as the next replacement. And like you said, he's not a natural goal scorer. He needs to be on the wing. And when you're kind of pushed into this role and you don't succeed, he had the uh, hat trick at Newcastle, but that was about it from his goal scoring perspective, had the little run in the champions league where it was a goal every other game, but he's not that goal scorer. And I think this is why he's going to succeed at Barcelona because he doesn't need to be the goal scorer. He doesn't need to be the player that Xavi has to rely on to get the goals. He can go on the wing. And like you said, he can create things on the wing and help get that goal, but he doesn't need to be the one to tap it in the net at the end of the day. But I hope everyone enjoyed Factor Crap. Marvin, I'm going to hand you back the host of Reigns. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, let's let's just end this. I, I kind of want to, on this side of it, I want to focus on the Real Madrid side. Um, there's obviously a lot of questions. They didn't have Kareem Benzema, you know, uh, a lot of questions. Even after the match, Carlos Ancelotti apologizes out saying this was on him, um, the way the Real Madrid performed. So, Guys, they're they're still in the Champions League. They're still in top of La Liga. Not a lot of you know, still uh, very comfortable there. But should we be? They're probably winning. Dude. Should should there be concerns with Real Madrid uh, moving forward? What I'll start with you, Ben. I think they're too far gone. I yeah, I'm gonna go with Brian. I think they're too far gone. They're yeah. If Barcelona had this form at the beginning of the season, I think 
it'd be a completely different story. But from where they are, Real Madrid, although Barcelona, they're on 28 games. So they have a game in hand on Real Madrid. They're still 12 points back. I don't see them catching up that ground. And like you said, the head-to-head matchups are the big thing. Although Barcelona did win this game up, which is a six-point tilt, it's still not enough. And Real Madrid, once they get Benzema back, they're going to be fine. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't agree. see anything happening where they're going to fall even farther. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you, Ben. Um, sorry, Marvin. Uh, go, no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Real Madrid is Real Madrid. I think, too, it's safe to note that they didn't have Benzema yesterday. So that was a big, big miss and piece for them. Um, but regardless of that, I think um, they're at 66, right? They're 66 points, if, I, if I'm not incorrect, yeah. on the table. So Barca is really, really far. Um, I don't think. I don't see them really coming back and uh, winning the title, to say the least. Uh, and I'm comfortable with that as a fan and as a supporter for the, for the team for many, many years since I was a kid. Um, I think it's okay, uh, knowing that we're rebuilding, knowing that we'll, we'll probably go into Champions League uh, play next year for sure, even if we don't win the Europa League. Um, so I think it's healthy. I think it's uh, fine. Um I see Real Madrid really winning the league, honestly, if I could be quite frank with you, Marvin. Yeah, I, I mean, when I look at it, Real Madrid, I think nine points if Barcelona could win the game in hand. I mean, it's not impossible, right? I think there's still 10 matches to play. You know, I, I think nothing's impossible. I think we've seen kind of title cases as Manchester City has shown, <laughs> has uh, have, have shown, um, I mean, it's it's still possible. I mean, it, it is kind of late, but I, I I wouldn't rule out, you know, one last push from Barcelona on Real Madrid. And I think if Real Madrid could, you know, go on maybe a four or five game run, I think they'll, they'll have the title. But nine points, still comfortable, but still uncomfortable, if, if you guys can understand that. So I think on Real Madrid, though, Champions League performance and looking at their squad outside of Benzema, we can see the problems this Real Madrid has in squad depth as Barcelona. We talk about, they have so much options going forward. Real Madrid, that was the complete opposite. And that was the question uh, coming into this game without Kareem Benzema, what they're going to play Garrett Bale, a player who, who hasn't found form since maybe two, three years ago. Um, Eddie Hazard just wasn't even selected. Marco Asensio, a player up and down. And then he had Rodrigo, who, who eventually did start. But this Real Madrid team does not have a lot of depth. And so that's their problem. That's why you see Carlos Ancelotti stick with this starting 11 of, of Kroos, Casimino, and Modric because they just don't have a lot of options. And so for me, that's going to be the question going into the latter part of the season is can they maintain this form, not only in La Liga, but in Champions League? Because now we're starting to see that you need some depth because when you don't uh, performances like Barcelona doing the Real Madrid could happen. And we've seen Real Madrid at times kind of not perform well. And especially without Kareem Benzema, we don't know when he's going to be out. Of course, what I hear, it's going to be, he will be ready for the next Champions League matchup uh, in the quarterfinals. So we'll see what happens there. But Real Madrid, the signs are there that they still need to add additional pieces and still have players in their squad in order to compete at a very high level, because we saw uh, Barcelona teams with more depth could punish them. And I think Real Madrid really needs to focus uh, in the off season, more so in the summer and see if they can add some more. I know Kylian Mbappe is a player that uh, has hopes of going to Real Madrid, but still, I think they still need a couple of players to add to their squad. I think, you know, 
have a good squad, but still need some players to add to this this Real Madrid team. Not not just Mbappe, um, uh, Marvin. You gotta get um, not just Mbappe, and not just a player that I think was is sublime and very very good signing by Madrid is Camavinga. Uh, I think he's phenomenal. By the way, that comes off the bench, but like you said, they don't have that much that much depth, and they're they're getting old, and they need to bring up players that are. Younger, you know, they have Vinicius, yes, they have Rodrigo, yes, they have, they have all these other players. Um, but Carvajal is getting older, you know. Alaba is not um crazy on the young side, you know. They're lucky with Militao. Um, le- left back wise, they're eh, you know, shaky. So it's looking towards the future, really, like really, really. Who knows? It is Real Madrid, though. They're always, you know, on top and stuff. So. We'll see what happens, honestly. So we'll leave it there, guys. I mean, great conversation. Barcelona get a huge win, a huge boost of confidence for the fans. Uh, again, for a lot that's happened the last couple of years, a big win for the club, for Xavi Hernandez and the players. Uh, we'll leave it there. Brian Cano, we appreciate your time, man. Uh, man, it was a good conversation. Good to bring you on and hope to have you back. Amen. Thanks, my guy. Ben, thank you, man. Okay, welcome back. Uh, I want to get into, I want to scrap our, our rundown a little bit, Ben, because let's go with the England national team roster. I, you, I know you texted this to me. Let's oh, go into so that happy. right away. Let's start that with that. You can see me. I'm beaming right now. Basically, yeah. I have notifications on for England's Twitter and, um, and their Instagram because I, I love the England national team. Um, I, am, I am a USMNT fan, but if I'm going to pick someone else. Be honest, England, be honest. Um, no, nah, yeah. So they've, <laughs> there's a lot of injuries within this England lineup and a lot of withdrawals. So uh, tw- 50 minutes ago, England announced that Trent, Reese James, Aaron Ramsdale, and Tammy Abraham have all withdrawn, which leaves some spots for Sam Johnston and Ollie Watkins. So I think Ollie Watkins is one of the well future deserved. England strikers. Yes. Yes. Well Very deserved. well deserved for him to get back in. Well and deserved. then two new players are coming in. Oh, um, here we go. Tyreek Mitchell, the left back from Crystal Palace, who deserves a call up. And it's, well, I think I'll get into it in a sec. And then the other one is is Kyle Walker-Peters from Southampton. I'm looking at it right now. Wow. England have this problem where they have way too many right and left backs at their disposal. But they've lost Trent and they lost Reese James. So there's this big gap. Obviously, I mean, I'm looking at the team right now. Kyle Walker also has not made it into this team, which is a big name that I think they should have. He's, he is fit. Um, maybe they're resting him, but what I, okay, what I will say is this, this is an international. It's I think it's um, they're already in the World Cup, so they're just trying yeah. to try out names. So I think Walker coming back from injury is a fine miss. But England, like I said, have all these right and left backs at their disposal. Cresswell still out from injury or yeah. chill not Crystal, Chillwell's out. So trying to throw in new names, Kyle Walker, Peter's a name that has been thrown in and out of the England setup. This is, is his first call up, but someone that's been pushing so hard, but a name I'm not seeing Tariq Lamptey, one of the future right backs of England going with the under 21 squad as they were announced the other day. Where is his call up? That's very interesting. And then Tariq Mitchell as well at left back. It's well-deserved obviously after Patrick Van Aanholt, kind of dropped off at Crystal Palace. They left this gap for a left back. Tariq Mitchell, excellent to jump in. And he's joined alongside by Mark Guay, who also gets one of his first call-ups. So two Crystal Palace players 
at the heart of England's defense. It's fantastic to see. And I'm very happy. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this call. Up. So it was interesting. I'm looking at it right now. Cause you know, uh, I was like, well, I like Connor. It's a very impromptu segment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> no, definitely. No, no. Right now. This is what we need. This is what we need. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like the squad. You know, I think Harry Maguire again selected. I I'm not sure about that. I mean, he, he definitely, I know because of his reputation, but sometime I think at this point, Right now for England, you know, we see that with some of these other teams. I think uh, Brazil, Argentina, they're just trying on some of these other players just to have, just to know. Um, Harry Maguire getting selected. I'm not sure that helps England in any way. And I like Phil Foden, Jack Grealish. Yeah, I know how you feel about him um, getting called up. But uh, Jewel Bellingham, is, I think, is a name that – I think there was a player that was missing. I think Mason Mount players – I think there's a, I, I, I man, I, I think there's a player I'm just missing the top Sancho, of my head. I think. Sancho's not on. Sancho Sancho's didn't get on. on Rashford, of course, no. didn't get on. Um, but you know, I think more Sancho than than Rashford, of course. I think Sancho's been playing much better, much better in these couple yeah. of games. But I mean, on the right back position, I mean, it's one of the big questions with England. And for me, I mean, so many options in those fullback positions. So many options. I mean, it, it, I, I think this is a good option for for. Kyle's and Water Peters because uh, he's going to have an opportunity that he's not going to have later because of the fullbacks that have, and especially with Trent Alexander-Arnold getting injured. I mean, there's going to be a huge opportunity for some of these other fullbacks to have an opportunity to play. But I'm actually, uh, you know, it, it is a squad that I think has, you know, experienced some new players and some players there. I I, I like the squad. Um, you know, maybe I think, I don't know if Ramsdale yeah, he didn't get called, which is quite interesting. Ramsdale had a, a hamstring injury. He had to withdraw because okay. so Leno played I knew it was defense. a reason. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so then that would – okay, then I think because initially he was, but then, okay, they replaced him. All right, that makes sense. So, but outside of that, I, I'm good with it. I, I'm actually satisfied with it. I, I think they – you know, England have so many options in the fullback position. Their midfield trios are good. Uh you know, Henderson, Declan Rice, one of my favorite players, they're all there. And then you got Phil Foden, who's a player that it's going to heal. And then you got Harry Kane, your captain. So uh, Smith Rowe, another player that well-deserved, definitely deserves the clap uh, because definitely he's played really well with Arsenal. Arsenal definitely deserves it. And then, as mentioned, one of my players at Aston Villa, Watkins, I mean, I definitely for a while, I think hopefully he can get that big move to a squad. I think he was linked to Liverpool a couple of seasons ago. I don't know if he'll get a move like that again, but maybe with a performance, who knows, but Watkins is a player that has fantastic, fantastic. So we'll see what happens, but definitely um, a little surprised, not shocked to see this England squad in, in their friendlies, but you know, we'll see. Like I said, they're already in the World Cup, so now yeah. it's just more of a, a trial period. Another big name, quickly, before we get to the next event. Yeah. Calvin Phillips is returning back from injury uh, at least. Yes. He had that huge, I think, ankle injury. Him and Patrick Bamford, both in the squad. Bamford going down with a little niggle, but as Jesse Marsh said, he, he should be fine next game. So <laughs> yeah. the two of them as well, trying to get back into this England setup. It's going to be a very good England team heading into this World Cup. Um, yes. If they can sort out the goalkeeper with, I don't think Pickford's, I think it's Pope or mm, I no, actually go you, to Sam Johnston. I'd go Sam really? Johnston. I think in, in, out of the three ben, now, you know, you know, what's unbelievable. I'm always like this with goalies and, and maybe one and in one of these days or in one of our, our, our future podcasts, we bring one of our goalkeeper uh, experts because it's quite fascinating to see how important it is having a goalie who's in form. And for me, I would say Ramsdale, obviously he's injured right now, but, once everybody healthy, old English 
English uh, goalies are healthy, Ramsdale is the number one for me. I know everybody's going to go with Pittsburgh, but Ramsdale, number one for me, when healthy. I, I completely agree. I'm saying out of the mm-hmm. three right now, I would oh, say Sam Johnson. Okay. Yeah, out of the, out of Pope Pickford and uh, Pope, uh, Johnson, right now I'd pick uh, Johnson. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I agree. He is still in the championship, but when when Jack Butlin went down with Stoke, we kind of saw a fall off where yes. after like a yes. week he wasn't getting in the setup. Um, Johnson is the perfect example of a player who's sticking with West Brom, a team that brought him up. And he's continuing to perform, and he keeps getting these call-ups. This isn't the first one he's gotten either. He's no. He's been in and out of the England setup for a while, so it's good to see him back in the setup. Absolutely. We'll see what happens uh, and some of the news, and we'll see who, player, who plays well and who doesn't. Again, it, it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating question for this England squad uh, and what happens with some of the players moving forward. Now, I want to move on to the FA Cup because a lot. I just want to get into a couple of stories. Um, is Everton, and you, you mentioned this to me when we were talking about this, Everton lost 4-0 to Crystal Palace. It was another bad performance from Frank Lampard. And the question I want to have for you, Ben, and I know you, you're all over this, is will he survive? Will he be the manager, I don't know, next season for Everton? And they're still fighting for the relegation battle. It looks like they got a huge win last weekend. So, I don't know what you say, but another bad loss for Frank Lampard. So I'm looking at, I'm, I have the table pull up my phone right now. So if, if Lampard was there at the beginning of the season and he saw them go through all this, he's gone for me. Um, I don't want him to be gone. Cause personally, I think he's a fantastic manager who just needs time and he needs to be able to develop these players. Um, but I mean, when you're looking at leads ahead of them, they're four points back, but they're also, yeah three games in hand. That's that's a nine-point swing. So they have it yeah. in them. He has the right squad. It's just how he's going to develop these players. I He just needs time. He got it at Chelsea, and he got the performances, although kind of dropped off near the end. He needs time to develop these players. And I think he's the – I see him as one of the best managers right now in terms of how he's able to bring up players and bring up a squad where he doesn't have money because I don't think they're going to pour any money into this Everton team let him go and let him continue to work. But I think they're fine. This is a terrible result for them. Um, I mean, there's no, there's no way around a four, nothing loss to crystal palace when palace struggled to score goals on the regular is terrible enough, but, and he played a full, if you look at the lineups, he played his first team and he still lost. So I don't know. I think he's fine. I think he's going to be okay. I think they're going to push for Europe in the next two or three years. He just needs time to develop these players. Uh, well, I think I'm kind of, I'm fighting this because for a couple of reasons, I think Frank Lampard is is a good manager. I I agree with you there. You know, I just am not sure what Everton's going to be. I think they'll survive, but I think, you know, the future of what this club wants to be, their ambition for the last couple of seasons was to spend, 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 and, you know, try to push to those Europa positions and try to get there, you know, they got Carlos Ancelotti a couple of seasons ago. They didn't work out. You know, they, they had Ronald Koeman a couple of seasons ago also didn't work out. Um, and they've been spending so much money. I mean, I think they're one of the most, most spenders in, in the Premier League in the last four seasons when you look at the numbers. And, and now you're seeing reports coming out of what their financials are, are having financial issues with spending now because of, of what's come out, what, what they did before and their spending. So when I look at it, Everton – you know, 
our team that Frank Lampard is kind of similar to his Chelsea tender when he, you know, didn't have money. He's building up some of the young players, but man, for nothing. I mean, for a squad, as you mentioned, they had their, you know, Richarlison, you got some players, some international players in your squad and, and you just lose for nothing. You know, this is a team that, you know, mind you, are a team that are attempting, I wouldn't say are, but are attempting to try to get into those positions. And I just don't see that. And for Frank Lampard, he cannot keep losing because this club, as we've seen before, they will sack your manager. And I mean, maybe they won't because of the the, the financial issues they're having, but he can't keep losing because you know how it works, Ben. The fans, once they start and start pushing, pushing, pushing out these managers, We've seen the Super League get stopped because of fans. I mean, we see the kind of the power fans having, especially in these Premier League teams. They eventually could want Frank Lampard out, and then eventually that that would be it. So for me, he needs to get results, needs to improve the squad. I know it's early. Again, we saw with Xavi, as we mentioned before, uh, he struggled as well, and then eventually he found it. So I'm not I'm not worried about Frank Lampard, but I am worried that you know if he can keep losing that he might lose his job again. And I think, you know, for a manager that we all like, I think we all like, uh, it might not work out for him. Yeah. They've just had too much managerial turmoil. I think it's, yeah. I think it, I related back to Leeds, honestly, where it's a little bit different where the players in his team right now, a lot of them have been there for a long time where they've yep. been there from Ancelotti. They've been there from Rafa Kuman, like you mentioned, even um, Marco Silva from Marco uh, Silva. Wofford. Yeah. Yes. So they've had all these managers. They can't figure out the system with them. And then you throw it. It's like taking a kid from a uh, Spanish class and then throwing him to an, an Italian class. And then like a class that teaches Portuguese where the language is there. It's kind of the same wording, but it's at the same time, it's so different. These players just are so jumbled. He's a player manager himself, Frank. So if he can get them behind him, which I can kind of see that the players are very well behind him and want to play for him that, I think it'll be fine, like you said, but it, it's just going to take a lot of time for him. So after the results, Ben, the FA Cup semifinals draw will be Chelsea versus Crystal Palace. And after Manchester City and Liverpool both get wins, they will face each other. Reactions to the FA Cup semifinal draw. Ben Kane, go ahead. I I wish this was a, a video podcast because my, my, my head was in my hands. How... You know what? From all the bad Champions League draws that Manchester City have gotten, this is a well-deserved FA Cup draw. I think City are going to lose, Ooh. and I'll I'll hand I'll oh. hand it over to you. That's all I'm going to say. City are going to lose. They're going to they're going to they don't. I, I'm very excited. I, I mean, honestly, Ben, I'm very very excited. I, I mean, obviously, you know, the the City part of you is kind of in 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 fires right now, and I understand that. But as a neutral. This is just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Because a couple of things. Number one, Manchester City, Liverpool right now, in my opinion, Ben, are the best football in the world to watch. Once upon a time, it was the Classico. You could say that. And, you know, in, in context, historical context, it is still. But at this current moment, Manchester City, Liverpool, best football right now. Best game to watch. Quality. Uh, performances, managers, tactics, everything you want to see in soccer or football, whatever you want to call it, is all there. We've seen it in the past three or four years, these managers, uh, Jurgen Club, 
Pep Guardiola, the trash talking between two, the, the the respect they have to each other. I think again to play each other, we saw this kind of similarly to Barcelona and Real Madrid when Mourinho and and, and Guardiola had was they faced each other five times. I think in one season, we potentially could be on that same trajectory because right now City are going to play Liverpool, and you know we could potentially see them in the Champions League semifinals. And then they're also going to be yet again in the Premier League. So uh, this is could be something that you might want to get used to, man, because Liverpool and City just might <laughs> play each other. But uh, uh, in all seriousness, like it's, I think quality football, quality from both managers, I think it's going to be a, a huge matchup and a huge semifinals. Obviously, it also depends. It also depends, Ben, on on how you know each team makes its run in the Champions League and how it works in the Premier League because we do have a title race, uh, and also those two teams are still in the Champions League. So this could be a little tricky to see how it all kind of uh, works out with you know another domestic cup happening for these two clubs. I've had a before we go. I, I've had a I've had a second to collect myself, really collect my thoughts <laughs> as you're talking. I, I've absorbed what you've said. Yes. And I, you've brought up the Champions League. Let's, I'm going to take everyone down a little scenic road. 2017-18 City get matched up in the Champions League against each other. And they also Ooh, have that yeah. crucial game in the Premier League where Leroy Sané on the left side hits it off the right post, goes in. And then John Stones, out of nowhere, having a revelation-type season, clears it 0.13 centimeters off the line or to save the league for Man City. They've won that game. We've gone to Anfield. I, it's probably one of the worst Manchester City performances I've ever seen. City losing, I think aggregate was 4-3 in that leg, but Gundogan scored in the 90th minute. And when you look back at it, it's a close leg, not even close. City don't have it in them, especially now when we're seeing them absolutely stink up the league. <laughs> They've thrown away this, this huge point margin. They don't have it in them right now to go and push and keep going. I think Liverpool are going to steamroll them. Um in the FA Cup. And it, when there's two games, like you said, two games in the next month where City need to win to A, go it through to a, uh, a finals appearance, a big cup, B, pretty much win the Premier League if they can win that game, they're going to lose both. And that's that's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, as a neutral, I will absolutely enjoy all of it. So I'm all here for it. So <laughs> I'm all here for it. So, but yes, we'll see what happens. Both of those matchups, semifinals matchup will be in Wembley. April 16th. So we'll see how that matchup works up in the FA Cup semifinals. To the Champions League, we had a couple of uh, not really surprising results, but some results. Uh, and then we'll discuss the draw. We had Benfica, who advanced a little surprising over Ajax 3 2. Manchester United, Manchester United fans are not happy, lose at home to uh. Atletico Madrid 2 1 and aggregate. And then Chelsea. Gets a very comfortable win over Leeds and goes in advance. Juventus, shocking result at home as well to Villarreal. And Barcelona, uh, Europa League. I guess sometimes we got to get a little confused there. But they advance in Europa League. And then also West Ham United advance over Sevilla. But then focusing back to the Champions League draw, Ben, it'll be Chelsea, Real Madrid, Manchester City, Atletico Madrid, Villarreal, versus Bayern Munich, and then we got Benfica versus Liverpool. Out of those matchups that I've all mentioned, who is, I would say, the matchup that you're watching, Ben? 
I think this is uh, this is a terrible draw. As a as a neutral, when I'm looking at this, this is a terrible. There's no really apart from Chelsea Real Madrid. There's like no. Mm, Simeone's gonna sit the bus and park. He's gonna park. Are, the are bus you sure about City. that? I mean, are you sure about that? I mean, I don't know if, if I don't know if you're sure about that because Atletico Madrid. I, that's exactly my point. I mean, I don't know, Ben. Are you sure? I, I, I'm I, sure. Okay. I think they're gonna park it. Bayern Villarreal is one of those games where I'm going to check my phone after the second leg to see how <laughs> same, same with Liverpool at Benfica. I just like Real Madrid, Chelsea, maybe I'll watch it. City, I they're all such boring legs. I as a as a champion, I don't I'm going to watch them cuz I love to watch soccer. Yeah, yeah. None, none of these games really appetize me to watch. As a neutral, I'm not going to watch many of these. I, I, As a City fan, I'll watch the Atletico Real. But. Listen, I, I'm all in on Atletico Madrid matches today. It's so fascinating for me because of the, of, you know, it's, it's, it's as you mentioned, yes, uh, Atletico Madrid are going to park the bus, but then Manchester City are also going to have full possessions. And so and when I look at that matchup, I, I'm just so intrigued to see, you know, yes, a team with full possession and a team that basically wants to defend all day, how those two will match up and who would win. I'm all in for Atletico Madrid Manchester City and I, I Chelsea Real Madrid is also another one you may watch want to watch well, I think Chelsea are the better squad currently right now than Real Madrid but Manchester City and Lidger Madrid just has something I'm just I sense something I'm not sure if it's gonna happen Ben but I do sense something I'm sm- I'm not I'm not sure what it is I, it's a sense it's a feeling I, I don't know how to describe it it's something that I'm just having my eyes on that matchup. Yeah. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just don't want to watch any of them. Elizabeth like, <laughs> Madrid, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, be careful, be careful, watch out. But <laughs> it's quite fascinating. But looking back, uh, I mean, the results that I mentioned before, I mean, you know, Manchester United getting eliminated, I don't think is any surprise. I think Juventus is probably one that got surprised as well. I mean, yeah, the teams that we mentioned, I think they're all on honesty. Like, I think Liverpool kind of had the team that had to play Benfica, but it, it's going to be quite interesting to, to me to see how these matchups work. As you mentioned, I think they will have some board to them, but I think the final draw, I think we will see some fascinating, fascinating results when it's all said and done. Yeah, I Completely agree with you. It's going to be interesting. Like, I don't know, like all the matchups pretty much apart from probably the Bayern one could go either way. So it'll be interesting. Moving on to the World Cup qualifying 2020, Ben. Finally, man, we got a break from, we got a break from club football. And now back to the international break as well, man. I mean, we got to start with the men's national team for USA. I mean, the roster came out. I know you really focusing on this. I know we have World Cup qualifying. We got Mexico against the United States. We'll start in CONCACAF. Um, let's start with the roster, the lineup. I know some injuries happened, Serginio Desk and, and, and some others. Any surprises from the call-ups from Greg Berhalter? Yeah, I'm just uh, – I think Stefan is the biggest one, um, which is – a. You wouldn't say that. I personally, I think it's because of injury. He played in the cha- uh, in the FA Cup the other day, so I think he's fine. Um, shout out Ethan Saunas. I did have an interview with him. He is Zach Stephens' roommate, which I thought was dope. Um, but he was talking a little bit about Zach and his recovery. Um, John Luca Busio making a return to this lineup, who I think, apart from the big 
Musa uh, McKinney Adams, I think is the next up and coming midfielder in the U S he plays at uh, Venezia in Italy. So he's a big call up, but apart from that, there's no revolution players. I think one of the things that Greg Berhalter has been criticized the most is his inclusion of Paul Ariola and Sebastian Legette. No Legette in this lineup. He's had an absolute stinker for the revs. Thankfully we're not talking about them today. I'm thank you for not putting that on the rundown for today. I like Legette, but yeah, definitely he's not playing well. That's, that's um, for sure. Yeah, so I mean, there's no too too many shocks. The goalkeeper thing was Ethan Horvath as well getting in is a, a big thing because if Turner goes down like he is now and if Stefan were to go down, who is the number three that's going to go to the World's Cup? Um, I don't think Stefan's really going to play. I think it's going to be Horvath. So it's hmm. going to be a big, big tournament for one of them to really step up and either solidify themselves as the three or they could push to the two, especially with Turner out, so. Do wait, those wait, are my general thoughts. So wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. So you think Horvath is going to play in Mexico for the USA? He's going to start? I think, I mean, think about the last time Horvath played against Mexico when he saved the penalty. I think, especially with the confidence that he has, that he knows he can go out and perform against Mexico, I don't see why not Greg Berhalter doesn't pick him. And he has, he has a big chip on his shoulder from really not getting selected much. He's in England right now, but there's talks that he's going to come to the MLS. He needs, he in his head, he's thinking, I need to prove myself on a scale that I haven't been able to, and this is his moment to do it. And I think he's going to take that starting role against Mexico, and I think he's going to have a fantastic game, especially hmm. when players like Pulisic are so close to him. I mean, Pulisic could potentially be the captain of this squad, so having the captain on your side, telling everyone, like, having so much faith in you, it's just that edge that's going to push you through. Yeah. I, I, when I look at this, ro- look at the roster, I mean, as you mentioned, I think, you know, defensively, I think, you know, without Sir Junior does, I think you're, you'll be manageable. You know, um, you know, for me, Ben, I, I actually really have to ask myself, does Ricardo Pepe have deserve to be included in this squad? I don't think. I, I think I'm at, I will. Yeah. Go ahead first. Go ahead. I don't think any forward apart from Tim Weah deserves to be in the squad. Uh, mm, I don't think any forward apart from Tim Weah, Jordan Pifok, who plays at Young Boys, mm, and then maybe Jesus Ferreira, but no other place. Josh Sargent, no. Ricardo Pepe, no. They they haven't proven it. They're just names on a team sheet. Like, when you look at them now, like, oh, Pepe's at Augsburg, but what has he done that makes him deserve to get in this team? Nothing. He's done nothing. So, I, I don't think he does. I just... Well, this is remember we had this conversation when Pepe made his move, and I was like, I'm not sure this would be the right move for him. And he hasn't scored since he made his move to Germany. And, and I, I guess, you know, yes, he's played well with the national team. But again, you know, especially for strikers, it's very important to be informed. And, and for me, I just – I'm not sure why, you know, Sargent was a name that I think also, you know, I think he's a player that – Thing it called up. He's a player a lot of people has mentioned as well. I know he's a talented player, but he also hadn't scored enough goals. So I, I look at Pepe and I'm not sure. You know, I, I get it. You know, he's a name now, but you know, is he a name? You know, I understand he scored and he's a young player. And you know, I guess, you know, he's having those young hurdles, but he hasn't scored. And, and, and you're a striker, you gotta score gold, you gotta perform, you gotta you know, get something. And that's the player I'm just looking at like. I get it, but I'm not sure he deserves to get called up. I'm not sure. I think there's a, a plenty of other players that would deservedly get the call up based on performances. But I, I don't think that's this 
call up of Pepe is based on performances. And also, just to mention some of the other roster names, I think Gio Reyna is great. I, good to see him back. You know, he's been injured throughout the whole season for, for Borussia Dortmund, the U.S. men's national team. I'm looking forward to watching him. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think we'll see the best of him. Maybe we're not even sure if he's going to start. I think he'll get minutes. But uh, it's good to see Gio Reyna back. And then Brendan Arnoldson's a player that I think is mm-hmm. – honestly, he's right there when I look at players that potentially could start – He's the name that I look up to. When he comes on, he's just a different player. Good reads the game well. Um, a player I think would, would really play well against Mexico. Maybe uh, he'll get to start, but we'll see how how Berhalter plays his ships. But, yeah, I, I just look at Pepe, and I'm just like, I'm not even sure he deserves to even be called up. Yeah, uh, Aronson, you mentioned as well, he could potentially be missing through injury. So it'll definitely be something mm. to keep an eye on. I think NBC tweeted that out the other uh, okay. few hours ago. So it could be it could be interesting. Before we get off this, James Stans, yeah. another big name that's in there, as well as Aaron Long, who towards ACL for New York Red Bulls, and Greg Berhalter has been including him in, in these ugh, excuse me. He's been including him in these camps to slowly get him back to match fitness. Cause at the end of the day, Aaron long is a U.S. men's national team center back. He is not playing in the best league, but I think if he was playing that whole season at Red Bulls, he would have made the jump. John Brooks, a name that we're not going to see ever again. I don't think under Greg Berhalter. So is it Aaron Long's time to take that spot? It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. be interesting to see. Uh, as I mentioned, the U.S. will play against Mexico. I mean, we're kind of – Ben, what do you say about that game? I mean, I think we might do an emergency pod on that. We'll talk about that game. Um, but going into this game, Mexico, the United States, the U.S. have kind of taken control of the number of Mexico for the last couple of games. What do you look into that matchup? Uh, I see it as Mexico need to go out and prove themselves. And I think in such a game – in a game where – they're so close at the top of that qualifying group that someone, someone's got to budge. Someone's got to slip up. And I think it's U.S.'s time to slip up, especially with all the injuries that they're having right now in the camp that they're kind of – it's a good camp. It, it, if you yeah. looked at this camp about three or four years ago, this would be the best thing you could do. But we know now what the talent is in the U.S., so missing out on all these big names is going to be tough, and I think this is where they slip up. I think they're going to qualify. I think they're going to be fine, but especially in the Mexico game, I don't think there's enough firepower to get them past Mexico. I, I have to agree with you. I think they're not going to get a result in the last second. I think Mexico are going to win. I think they, they realize – I think Mexico – this is not the best version of Mexico, I would say, uh, of previous seasons or previous years. I think this is a team that still uh, has a lot of issues under Tata Martino. But they understand, like, this is more about pride. This is more about getting a result against the United States after the U.S. have won the last three over Mexico. I think this is very important. The Lasteca obviously is not the way it used to be. And people have also mentioned that the stadium is completely different. You know, the way they structure it now, it's not what it was once upon a time where you go to the Lasteca and you're just scared out of your mind. I think it's completely changed since then. But I still believe when you play in the Lasteca is completely different than any other stadium. Mind you, there's a couple of stadiums that has that kind of uh, intensity and, 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 and crowd noise and all of that there and altitude as well. Mexico will get the win, but the United States, you know, have to hope they can get either a point, maybe three points against Mexico. But for me, I look at it as, you know, as a U.S. perspective, try to get a point, try to get three points. 
make sure you don't lose. And <laughs> but for me, I gotta look at it as I'm gonna go with Mexico. And and this is not against US. I think Mexico feel like they need to get a, a yeah. result against USA after losing three straight. And we'll see if Mexico does, or will the US continue to have Mexico's number? But it's a fascinating, fascinating matchup between these two big clubs. Yeah. So let's move on to uh, European qualifying, man. It's going to be absolutely insane with some of these matchups that are going to happen. I mean, uh, moving forward, Ben, you got a couple of uh, World Cup playoff qualifiers in Europe. I mean, now we don't know. Russia is completely out. So Poland will be waiting for the next matchup. And, you know, they're, they did it into brackets. So it's going to be interesting. We have scotland against ukraine i I mean that i'm not sure how that's gonna work i mean i guess you know no one knows what's gonna happen with that and we got wales austria and then the winner we'll see what happens in that matchup or and then on bracket two we have poland that'll be waiting between sweden and czech republic and then we have uh probably the most interesting bracket out of the three we have italy against north macedonia and then we got portugal against turkey and if those two win, they will play in the final in, as it was in 29. So, I mean, potentially could be an Italy-Portugal matchup to the World Cup. I mean, Ben, I mean, which matchup are you looking forward to? Obviously, you know, there's a lot, to, a lot of context for each matchup. I'm going to give one hot take. I'm going to say Turkey are going to beat Portugal. Wow. I, okay. I think... I think Portugal have uh, this is one of their best pools of players that they can choose from for a long time. Uh, I mean, they won the Euros and Adair scored the winning goal. That should say something about how like yeah. he's not even going to get cl- a player of his caliber wouldn't even get close to this team. Um, but I think they're going to go in way too confident, and I think they're going to slip up. Turkey's a good side, and we've seen them have good performances in the past, and they yes. have a lot of players, especially Galatasaray is a big pool of Turkish players. But there's a lot of Turkish guys out there. I mean, even like, I'm trying to think, Uzan Kambak and Soyuncu, two Premier League center backs, start at their club. I think, yeah, Uzan Kambak is Turkish, but two Premier League center backs are going to be going out and fighting for your team. Like, we're not, we haven't seen this in a while from Turkey. And I think Portugal are going to get way too comfortable and they're going to slip up. And especially Ronaldo in and out of his best form, they're going to need him to be on in that day. And I don't think he's going to be. I think they're going to slip up. So I think it'll be a Italy Turkey matchup in the final. North Macedonia, I'm sorry. It's been fun. You've had a good run, but it's going to be Italy. It's going to be Italy, Turkey. Yeah, I think obviously for those other two brackets previous that I mentioned before, you know, yeah, it's so interesting because Poland, I think, are a team to be fat or are, are, are interesting because, you know, I think a couple of last World Cup, they were a team that really played well in qualifying. You know, they have one of the best strike, I, I would say the number one striker in the world and Robert Lewandowski. Uh, and to see what happens with Sweden. Sweden are a team for me that I think will make it. I think the Poland against Sweden is a terrific, a terrific matchup. And I think on the other side, what's going to happen with Garrett Bale? I mean, potentially, Ben, he could play his last game with Wales. I mean, last game ever. It's last ever, game ever. ever. Uh, it's going to be last game ever. <laughs> uh, I mean, it could, yeah. So, I mean, I'm so curious. And then Scotland, our team that hasn't made the World Cup in, oh, I mean, I don't know how long, are also a team that has a lot to say. So, I mean, I, I, I know we're, that matchup is going to be weighted on depending on what happens with Ukraine. But, I mean, Portugal, Italy are probably the two teams for me that has to be watched. But, man, I mean, 
Turkey against Portugal probably being the best matchup, but Italy, Portugal in that final in the 29th of March in the final. I mean, that's going to be absolutely insane. I know Ronaldo will be a player to watch. I know also to mention that Mario Balotelli will not be in the squad. He was uh, left out of this, this matchup against North Macedonia, but Italy are a team that I think are the better team, you know, to see Italy, the European champions be out. I mean, that'd be shocking for me just because you won the Euros and, and you didn't qualify for the World Cup. That would just be insane. But Portugal, as you mentioned, a lot of talent, but just haven't performed well. So I don't know what's going to happen, but fascinating, fascinating storyline. So all those matches will be this week. Some of them have been moved out because of the Ukraine and the Russia uh, situation that's happening. So, I mean, fascinating to see what happens, but the Euro- European qualifiers is going to be amazing, amazing to watch. And then finally, Ben, we had the uh, Combo Boy, the South, uh, uh, South, excuse me, South America qualifiers. We had Argentina, Brazil already qualified, but I mean, it, it I mean, it's pretty wrapped up. I looked at the table. It, it looks like likely that, you know, it's still a battle from third to fourth. We still have Uruguay. We still have Colombia still in. I mean, maybe I could have mentioned a couple names here and there, but uh, a couple key matchups there. Well, I mean, what are you looking – who do you see kind of getting that third or fourth for, for that combo boy place? I actually haven't. I haven't looked at it too, too much, but I think one of the – you mentioned Uruguay and Port, uh, Colombia, and I think that's one I kind of talk about a little bit here. I don't see them from what they like Colombia, especially when they were in the world cup with Hamas at his best at his really his peak of his career. I don't see them and Uruguay ever reaching that peak again. I think the players that they're kind of seeing come into the national team setup right now, aren't that talented. I don't think this is, these groups are something that will get into the world cups and get into these big tournaments. Cause I don't think they have the star power, especially look at Uruguay. They're, it was the front three of Cavani, Luis Suarez, and Diego Forlan. And now either gone or out of their prime. So I don't know. I I don't know who who else is in that group. I gotta look it up, but um yeah, so I'm looking at the table right now. So currently Brazil and Argentina are automatic stars. Yeah. Uh Ecuador right now has 25 points. They're in third currently right now. Uh Uruguay are now three points off. So I believe it's top four qualify automatically and in the fifth place uh get like the you know international playoff game but right now fourth is Uruguay fifth is Peru who made it to the last world cup and has been kind hmm. of a team that's still you know talked about team right now with 25 uh, excuse me 21 points are in fifth right now you got Chile who's a team that you know are very, very getting older, but yet still a team that's very competitive, very hard, uh, 19 points and six. And then we got Colombia that I think will will likely be out of the World Cup. I mean, yeah. I, I know Colum- I know Brian Cano, I'm not, not going to enjoy this, but, you know, <laughs> he's not going to uh, enjoy because right now 15, 17 points for Colombia. They, they basically need to win out and have a chance and, you know, hope for the best. And I'm not sure that's going to happen, especially in South America qualifying. I mean, Every single game is never easy. Every yeah. single day. So those two teams, I think I'm going to probably go with Ecuador will get in just because they did yeah. enough. And I think Uruguay and Peru uh, are going to get in. But Chile right there, I think those top five that I mentioned before are will get in. 
But man, man, uh, I, I feel bad because Colombia, as you mentioned, had a, an insane peak, and now we're starting to see a transition into this country uh, uh, to a different you know level that they once were. Now we're starting to see it a little different, but yeah. still a lot of soccer to be played. They basically have to win out, so I'm not sure that's going to happen. But a lot, a lot's going to happen uh, from third to fifth, and we'll see yeah. if any of those teams can change and change the tables. So we'll leave it there. When we come back, we'll get to our trivia segment. Oh, man, we've been waiting for this. We've been talking smack. <laughs> when we come back, much more of our trivia segment. Welcome back to Final Trivia. Man, I mean, I'm very excited. I have my three questions here, Ben. I am very excited about this. I don't know if you are. I'm, I'm ready. Confident. I'm, I'm, I'm going to win today. Last week, <laughs> and you, you got beaten up. You got beaten up. Got beaten up a little bit, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> by my soccer, by my Barcelona knowledge, and you kind of were a little, kind of, you didn't know what to expect from some of my questions. So I, I, I'm expecting a challenge, and we'll see how it goes. And I'm expecting you not to answer any of my questions yet again. So right. let's start. So. Um, let, yeah, let's do this the way we did it last week. Let you start first. first. Give us, right. give us the team, and I'll try to give them the starting lap, and then we'll go from there. All right. So I'll tell you, it's a four-four-two. So it's the easiest formation in 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 football. Okay. So I picked my favorite game. I told you this before. I picked my favorite game: Manchester okay. City QPR twenty twelve. You're gonna be picking for QPR. <laughs> no, granted, I could do this. I really think I could get most of these names. So it's a back four, and then the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper, I think you'll be able to get. Um, and then a back four. So, what do you got? Oh man! <laughs> oh man! Uh, all right, you might have got me on this. Oh man! All right. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> oh man! All right. Start with the goalie. Okay. I'm gonna go with uh, Julio Cesar. Julio Cesar did not actually yeah. play in this game. Okay. He played the next season. Damn. Excellent guess. A really good guess, though. It's a good start. It's a good start. Okay. Uh, all right. Is he a player from England? Yep. All right. Is he at? Is he over the age of thirty? I think at this point he was close to it. He's. I. He does not play anymore. I don't think. Oh, I know who it is. I think. Uh, I, I damn, I forgot his name. But can it be? <laughs> I think I meant. Damn, I'm trying to think. Uh, is is his last name Green? It is not Rob Green. Excellent guess, though. All right. Uh, Rob Green. Okay. I'll, All right. I'll give you. Go ahead. Go I to give the up. defenders. Go to the defenders. We'll, I'll go to the defenders. I'll, um, tell, you, I'll tell you the back. So I, I believe one of them is an, an ESPN uh, analyst. I think. Uh, what's his name? Damn. I gotta say the name. Uh, oh man. All right. Let, all right. Let me start then from the back. All right. I'll try to remember the center backs for the full backs. Yeah. Damn, you damn, you got me today, man. You got me today. I mean, I'll go a little easier next time. I'll go a little. No, 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 no. This is no, no. This is I. You definitely, definitely. I know you wanted to get me back on this, but uh, let's go with. Damn. I'll I'll put a timer for a minute. All right, give me, give me, yeah. I'll give Give me, yeah, give me, yeah, give me one minute. If I can guess one defender. Oh, let me. Oh, let me guess one. Uh, Rafael. Excuse me, Fabio. Fabio was not there. He went next season. Damn. Why am I for damn these teams? You're 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 ahead. You're doing excellent on <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, damn, damn. I'm trying to think of them. If that, you just that want to, to it's okay. I, you know what? 
Uh, if I can know one defendant, I'll take the win. But all right, one I of them went to the MLS. Up. One of them went to the MLS. I know one of them. I know who it is. I just can't. I can't. I can't. I forgot his name. I don't know his name. Um, he uh, used to play for Manchester City. I, dang. Uh, I'll name. give you one. One of them. It's not him. So this guy shares a name with someone who went to QPR from Manchester United, and then retired there because his uh someone got I think his wife died or something something like that. A legendary Manchester United center back, eight seconds seven. Okay, I'll give it to you. So it's it's I don't know his first name, but it is Ferdinand. But Rio went there the year after. So there's a center back named Ferdinand. So I'll give you the before you go into your question. So it's Kenny was in goal. Kenny, uh. Anoa is the guy you were thinking of. Yes, I knew it. Uh, that's the name I was thinking. So, all right, go ahead. I know his name though, but yeah, go ahead. And then Hill and Teal were on the wings. The no, wings. I, I probably had. Yeah, I probably had no chance. All right, all right. I'm ready for my question. All right, my turn. All right, all right. Let's see if I can try to bounce back. I don't know if you're probably gonna bounce back. We'll see. All right. In the 2014 World Cup, Brazil humiliated Germany 7-1 in the Maracanã. And there were five different goal scorers. But, Ben, who scored the seventh goal for Germany? It's either... I'm going to straight up... I think it's Marco Royce. Is that your final answer? Is it Marco Royce? I don't think it was Muller. No. No, was it Cruz? Was it Cruz? Was it Cruz? Can you give me a hint? Was he German? <laughs> yes, he's German. I, I don't know if that really helped. I don't know if that really it's helped. German they're, all German. <laughs> they're all was, German. No, I think it was Royce because I watched the highlights a few weeks ago. I think it was Royce. Final answer. Royce? Yep. Yep. No, it's not Royce. Andre Schurler at the oh. time was at Chelsea. Scores two oh. goals. Scores the seventh goal for Germany. Oh, damn it. Okay. Okay. All right. It's fine. I got one wrong. You can get yeah. the midfield. Here's the midfield. I'm going to put another timer up for a minute. Yeah. I so think I might know one. Midfield. I think I might know one. Who's the first one? Joey uh, Barton, right? Barton? Yep. Joey Barton. Joey yeah. Barton. Got him. Okay. Woo. Oh, you got one. Uh, no, he wasn't on the team. I might have I'll, I'll give you another. I'll give you I'll another get, hint. One right, of them, uh, his brother... Played it in the MLS currently, and he played for Manchester City before this. Um, his brother is a MLS Golden Boot winner. Played for Red Bulls for a long time, um, then kind of bounced around. Now, one comeback player of the year a few weeks, uh, a few years ago. Midfielder, you're talking about? Yeah, he's he's this guy's a midfielder. His brother's a striker. Hmm. Legendary Red Bull striker. Sean Wright Phillips. Sean Wright Phillips. Yeah. It's two. Whew. All right. We, got, we need two more. Uh, I give up. Yeah. I, it, I'm probably not going to know. Go ahead. <laughs> it's, I, uh, I got two out of course. So I'll take it. That's good. I Those are two. I think the strikers will be final, but it was uh, Derry and then Jamie Mackey. Yeah. No, what? no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Well, I got two. So, I, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have got this. So I was thinking different. All right. Next question for me. In the 2008 UEFA Champions League final, Manchester United beat Chelsea in which oh in, in a penalty shootout. Who's missed the the decisive penalty from Chelsea to give Manchester United the trophy? Oh, I, 
I'm gonna get another flat out guess. Is it Michael Ballack? <laughs> Is it? No, it's not. No, it's not. Wait, wait, wait. Give me. All right, I'll get. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. So yes, I'll give you a hint. Okay. He's French. French. Oh God. For Chelsea. 2008. God, my knowledge does not go this far back. <laughs> I don't even know. I Who's think you French got to Chelsea. Who's French on Chelsea in 2008? Because I'm, I'm thinking. He's a striker. Oh, a striker. No, because. Oh my God. No, I don't think I got it. It's not Zamora. Is it Zamora? It's not Zamora. Uh, all right, that's your final answer. That's my final answer. The answer is incorrect, but the answer is Nicholas Anelka. Oh, yeah. I knew that. Yeah. I didn't know he, I thought he was English he was for some on, reason. He, he was a French player. He missed the decisive penalty. I remember watching that game and he missing. Yep, that's him. And the rest is history. Okay. The strikers, the final two. All right. I, I might know one, but the second I probably don't know. C Cell is okay. one. C Cell, yeah. Gibral. Uh, and then, can I get a hint? Is he English, the second striker? Probably. Oh, you don't know? Mm, yeah, he is English. He is English. English. He is English. How old was he at the time? He's got to be in his 30s. I would give you a hint, but I don't want to because I'm really salty. What team? What? <laughs> what team did he play previously? If that's possible, if I can ask, or did he give it away? He, no, I think he played for Chelsea. He no, played, I played for, for Chelsea? Tottenham. Played for Tottenham. Tottenham. Uh, Fulham. Looks like Brighton. Darren yeah, Blunt. No Bent? Bent. No. Very good guess. He's a he's a Villa guy. Very good <sighs> guess though. I'll give you one more guess. We have one more guess. Uh, one all right, guy. all right. Played for Tottenham. Previously, it's a hard one to get. Bright, yeah, Brighton. Uh, um, looks like uh, he. I think he went to Fulham after because I think they came up that year. Oof, damn. Well, hey, you retired in 2016. Played for West Ham. Big West Ham. Uh, Brighton. Big West Ham guy. Over 150 games. Damn. West no, Ham. it's okay. If not. I, I got this. Hold up, hold up. You've already I know won. I got this. I know I got this. I'm telling you, I feel like I got this. It's coming. West, he's a West Ham. <laughs> he's a West Ham legend. He said. Uh, he should be West Ham legend. He's played 150 games, and 50 goals, so pretty good. Oh, man, if I don't get this, I'm, I, 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 I give up on this one. But I'm curious to know which. What was the answer? I'm I'm really upset because I just said his name. He was the Chelsea guy. It's Bobby Zamora. <laughs> oh my God! What? <laughs> I knew. You know what's crazy? I was thinking every time I had to think about that was. Oh my God! I was thinking West Ham because I knew Dempsey and Zamora yeah. playing together once upon a time. I'm like, what? All right, last question. U.S. question. Okay. In 2002, okay. the U.S. made a deep run into the quarterfinals of the World Cup, including being their rivals, Mexico. But Ben, which team beat the USA in that quarterfinals matchup? Oh my God. 2002, oh no. come on. I don't know. You got I know this. Alexi Lalas. I know Alexi Lalas was on that team. I know that. I know that for a fact. 
Who does he? Is it, is it Costa Rica? <laughs> you guys don't have good luck with Costa Rica. I'll give you, I'll give you a hint. It, I'll give you a yeah. hint. It's a European team. Was it? Was it Italy? Mm, Italy or Spain? I'm going to go... I'm gonna go Italy. I'm gonna go Italy. Oh, it's Italy. Final answer? Italy? Yeah. Incorrect. Germany. But Germany. Okay. Okay. All right. And the answer was. Round. And by the way, in the in the the player that scored was former Chelsea player Mikel Balak. Just to know. Hmm. FYI. But yeah, there you go. I mean. This trivia has been fantastic. I mean, honestly, you got me on the defense. No way I had any idea who the defender or even the goalie was. I mean, I, I, I seem like I know the, the next year Chris Palace roster. I, I did not. Know. Maybe I'll give that one next time. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> funny, but I got some names, so I'll, I'll uh, somewhat. But damn, Ben, you got to work on some of these historical. I'm gonna moments. study. I'm gonna study for next time. <laughs> oh my goodness! But definitely, oh my god, what a what a show. Uh, yeah, guys, we had a fantastic podcast. Everybody, thank you for tuning in and listening in. Um, we have some couple of things happening. Um, I'm going to be putting on a special pod for everybody. I had an interview with uh, Sam Marzin, a Barcelona correspondent, writer for ESPN. Um, does a lot of things for Barcelona, kind of talking about Pedri. You know, I think I had a story up that, you know, talking about Pe- Pedri's kind of rise to stardom. But I have the audio for that, and I might put that into our pod so people could listen in and kind of talk about the context of, of Pedri's kind of rise to where he is now because it's a fascinating story. So uh, we'll do that as soon as we can. I know, Ben, you have a couple of interviews coming up. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, 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 I'm keeping my fingers crossed that the one works out um, – I have idea. Uh, I so I've been, I'd interviewed um, Ethan Saunas, who played for Freiburg. He's one of the very first Americans to go abroad, and he's uh, currently training the likes of Zach Steffen, Weston McKinney, Kellen Acosta. Um, so hopefully something comes out of that. It's uh, it's up on my website now, but um, I'm also gonna go. I also just submitted uh, credentials for hopefully going to a New England Revolution two game. So hopefully I can get in there and interview uh, Paolo Soares. We might I might get that interview up as well. So some fun things going on. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And we keep everybody tuned in. We might do, I might consider doing emergency pod if for the U.S. against Mexico, we may consider we that. Could. I think it's possible. So uh, keep an eye on that. And definitely, again, everybody have a fantastic week and a big international games coming up. And we will talk to everybody soon.